Respect the cock. And tame the cunt. Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where we watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me as always is Andrew Mount. And fuck you too. Don't you call me lady. I came in with these things. I give it over to you. You doubt. You make your phone calls. Check on me. Look suspicious. Ask questions. I'm sick. I am sick. To- I can't finish. <laughs> <laughs> and Mason Cruise Mitch. Hey everybody. Drink of the night is a bandit Cabernet Sauvignon. Have Canada. you ever mentioned a drink of the night before? I did last time. Oh, okay. Hmm. It's gonna be an, it's gonna be a thing now. <sighs> On today's okay. episode, we are talking about Magnolia, a mosaic of interrelated characters in search of happiness, forgiveness, and meaning in the San Fernando Valley. Oh, what a hoity-toity! I recap know, that right? Is. Thanks, Wikipedia. I mean, my we wrote brain ourselves. <laughs> nice. Anyways, what you guys think? Like, I. Like, Loved it. I think you were the only one who has not seen this. Yeah, before. no, this is my first time seeing it, and I fantastic, hundred percent. I'm on board. Maybe not as good as cocktail. Oh but my god! Wow. <laughs> you know what? I'm not taking the bait. <laughs> That's my new you thing. You kind of just did. I'm not. I got everything I needed out of that. But no, no, this was seriously fantastic. I, I loved it. There's no Top Gun, but you know. Well. Yeah, it was a good movie. Wow. <laughs> so um, maybe about an hour too long. Uh, okay. So, you know. <laughs> Look, I feel you. Three-hour runtimes are rough. But again, I don't know that there's an hour of stuff that feels useless here that I would take out. Yeah, what would you cut out? Like, I mean, there is literally like an hour of climax music, which is fucking <laughs> weird. But... I feel like the movie is going to come to a head at any moment, and it never really does. Uh-huh. Kind of the frogs, I guess. Oh, the frog the scene is great. 188-minute film. <laughs> You know what? It's great. I, but it's I, Paul Thomas Anderson's longest film. Every moment of it, I'm just not used yeah. to giving three hours of my attention to a movie. Yeah, I'm not. I don't think I was quite as in tune with this one as I was during Phantom Thread, but also still great. Yeah, um, there was a time in the distant past when uh, one of my top two favorite movies was Olympus Has Fallen. Um, I thought that Hercules with The Rock was a vastly underrated movie, which was one of the most enjoyable films I'd ever seen. Hey, you know what? Uh, And I thought that Star Wars, including the prequels, was the height of cinematic greatness. Yeah. Um, See, it's like when you say stuff like that, it makes me angry that you didn't like Point Break. (laughs) (laughs) That I didn't like Point Break? Well, you can't make me like things. Um, But then I I had a co-worker who tried to get me into snooty movies. Uh, actually, first I had a friend who tried to do it, and he got me to watch fucking Citizen Kane and Taxi Driver, which are the two most mind-numbing oh. classic movies you can watch if you're not into classic movies. And yeah. uh, then my coworker was like, hey, watch Magnolia instead. It's like a more recent thing. And I watched it, and I loved it. And this was my OG, like, good movie. This was the beginning of me being like, oh, there's stuff better than Olympus has fallen out there. <laughs> movies can make me, like, feel feelings about life. Oh, and this movie made me so feel so much feelings. I fucking love this movie. So are you saying if we had made you watch Point Break back when Olympus has fallen with your favorite film, you might have liked it more because you I, didn't realize that there was better things I out there. I don't think so. My main problem with Point Break is still that it largely bores me, but, uh, you know, my, to be fair, Olympus Has Fallen became my second favorite movie and 
I think it's mostly because I came into the theater 30 minutes after it started. Oh. So I walked in about the time that Olympus was falling. Okay. <laughs> and that is a great time for that movie to start. Oh, there you go. All right. On that note, let's get into our discussion of Magnolia. It's not what you thought when you first began. The narrator recounts three instances of incredible coincidences and suggests that forces greater than chance play important roles in life. Police officer Jim Curring investigates a disturbance at a woman's apartment, finding a body in a closet. Dixon, a neighborhood boy, tries to tell him who committed the murder, but Jim is dismissive. Jim goes to the apartment of Claudia Wilson. Claudia's neighbors called the police after she had an argument with her estranged father, children's game show host Jimmy Gator, and then blasted music while snorting cocaine. Unaware of her addiction, Jim is attracted to her and prolongs a visit. He asks her on a date that night, to which she says yes. Just want to point out, Jim has a very different reaction to uh, to the attractive blonde woman than he does to the black woman. Hmm? Hmm? What's this say about policing in our society? Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, I agree. I actually, I think that that element is there, and it feels a little weird. Um I think some of it is intentional and some of it is mm-hmm. because a lot of that plot gets cut out. So yeah, yeah he's, that too. he's very like belligerent confrontational with the black lady at the beginning of the film that he's talking to. And then when he goes to talk to the white lady, he's very like nice and he's flirting yeah. with her. I mean, and, like trying to get to, to be know her. Fair, well, no, no, to be fair, the black woman was very I'm belligerent. Sorry, did you interrupt him because you want him to say to be fair instead <laughs> of to be fair? Can we just dwell on that for a second? I, I need you to watch Letter Kenny, bud. To be fair. To be fair. Pitter patter. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the the black woman was very belligerent with him, while Claudia was not. So he's probably oh, so we're going to the stereotype of the angry black woman. Now. Uh, you're the racist in the situation because okay. you jumped to that conclusion. So, I don't think. I, well, I don't okay. think First of that's, all, you're gonna, the racist. I'm, you I jumped that's to how that works. conclusion okay. of the well, things that okay. I said. Well, look, okay, so I'm going to back off on that. Um, I think that this movie, for better or for worse, and probably for worse. Um, you know, I think it doesn't, the movie's not trying to grapple with the different racial dynamics here too much. Not at all. Um, I think if we were going to say, to be fair about something, it would be that it was a murder scene. He did yes. end up being right about there being a murder victim in the closet in, in uh, the first part. Was it Marcy? Is that her name? In Marcy's apartment? Yeah. Well, but you um, think if maybe he'd shown the same kind of, uh, you know, I guess, uh, industriousness in searching, in searching uh, Claudia's apartment, he might have found some cocaine? Uh, well, yes, but cocaine is uh, better than murder. There was a whole um, pile of cocaine in the closet, <laughs> saying tied up. Saying cocaine is better than murder is not how I wanted to phrase that. <laughs> uh, murder is worse than cocaine, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. Hey, Claudia just liked to party. Yeah, yeah, There's nothing she wrong with liked that. to party. She, she liked, liked. She liked, liked to party. party. Didn't even work on that. Didn't even rehearse anyway, that once. So if I were being charitable to this movie, which I am because i like this movie mm-hmm. um there was a plot line with this murder that got uh, severely cut down because it's already a very long movie yeah um you can kind of see pieces of it and like he loses his gun like the kid takes his gun the kid right. raps to him and tells him that it the, was basically kid raps tells him the entire plot of the movie well right and he, it's not even just him like it's a bunch of different people like are, he yeah. tells him that I, I think the worm is supposed to be his brother no it's, it's his dad that there's actually I, 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 read, I read up on this it's actually this whole big old plot thing that got completely cut out uh the worm is dixon is okay so the guy who died in marcy's apartment with her husband 
Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Marcy and the worm had an affair, and Dixon is their kid. And the worm, oh. the worm killed Marcy's husband. Okay. See. Okay. No. There's I, that whole. There's that I whole thought, plot arc right there that was completely like taken okay. out of the movie. I thought the worm was was Marcy's son. That, that was yeah, that was I, what I understood. I from thought that. so too. And like, the, and you then, know, the, the, and then the worm may have been the dad of the kid. The but. kid says something about you know like the so neck of an oppressor. Why is his but, whatever? The nickname. <laughs> yeah, um, but I. Uh, Anyway, my read on that is that I thought that perhaps the original idea was for him to start this murder investigation and to be sort of like a much more belligerent cop. And then he gets to know, what was her name, Carly? Claudia? Claudia. Um, and then through that, we see him being nice to Donnie, and maybe he comes back to the murder oh. investigation having more, Sorry. you know, mm-hmm. it, okay. Wait, keep going. If no, I'm sorry. My the, sentence is done. If Go you're ahead. In the of something. My, my bad. I just wanted to correct something. The worm was Marcy's son. Okay. So right. Dixon was her grandson. I thought it was okay. implied that Dixon, wa- or not, or I'm sorry. Who, oh, Dixon is the kid. Yes. Okay. I thought it was implied that the dead guy was perhaps an abusive, estranged husband, and that so, there yes. would end up being somewhat justifiable reasons for having killed him in the moment. And mm-hmm. you know, that she's not wanting to give away that he's there because she doesn't, you know, because her, her son, son was just like protecting just her, protect or her. Or yeah, else. yeah. And that that was going to be the cop's journey is that he's learning, you know, that it is a hard question to grapple with. When do we forgive things? But he's become more forgiving by the end of the movie, and he's more open minded to kind of like the whole picture of what's happening. But a lot yeah. of that wasn't on screen because they cut this out of the movie. So right. it does end up looking like, oh, you were just mad at the black people, and then you were <laughs> nice to the white lady because you thought she was hot. Yeah. Yeah, it it does kind of play off that way. You're you're right. It didn't really look like they were by the whole picture of everything. It really didn't look like they were really aiming to tackle issues of race. Yeah, which is if you made that movie in 2019, you'd almost have to, right? I mean, it leaves Your a big blind spot. Is a police but yeah. officer, and he starts out, you know, having yeah, a but it's a police officer a played by uh, John C. Riley. So yeah, and how who at the time I think was just a dramatic actor. Yeah, I never knew that. I got to know him as a comedic actor, and I thought that he was making a detour into drum, dramatic acting for Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Apparently, it was the other way around. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Jimmy Gator, Claudia's dad, hosts a long-running quiz show called What Do Kids Know and is dying of cancer. He has only a few months left to live. That night, the newest child prodigy on the show, Stanley Spector, takes the lead as the show begins. He is hounded by his father for the prize money and demeaned by the surrounding adults who refuse to let him use the bathroom during a commercial break. When the show resumes, he wets himself and freezes, humiliated when everyone realizes what happened. As the show continues, an inebriated Jimmy sickens and he orders the show to go on after he collapses on stage. But after Stanley's father berates him for freezing on air, Stanley runs away from the studio. Oh, that, that poor kid. Stanley's fucking creepy. Yeah, but I mean, also clearly being... You know what? His dad even says just straight up he's abusing him, so... Yeah, he does. That's a really... It's a real mask-off moment. And the dad's like, no, you just have to lightly abuse them. Just sprinkle a little bit of abuse in there. really subtle about it, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, anyway, this is terrible. Uh, this is heart-wrenching. Uh, a lot of good parallels to William H. Macy's story. Um, also, I really like... I mean, we'll probably get to this later. But I think Jimmy ends up being sort of the most monstrous person by the end of this. Yeah, he really does. Um, and I well, like, kind of. I don't know. Claudia's dad, Jimmy Gator, is not doesn't come off great by the end of it. 
That's who we're talking about. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, I thought we were talking about uh, Stan, oh, Stanley's, Stanley's dad. dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I think Jimmy's, things up, folks. I think I'm Jimmy's sorry. maybe a little worse. I don't know. There's probably both there. Jimmy was the worst person in this movie. No, no, it was Jimmy. No, no. Jimmy was <laughs> yeah, the worst person. Other movie. than Jimmy Gator. I agree worst. with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even that deep in my cups, folks. This is just embarrassing. Mm. Um, but I like that they included his character because, again, I feel like you know one of the main theses of this is what John C. Riley says at the end about like, you know, what can we forgive? And I like that they sort of included like a spectrum of people and this guy who's like, I, we probably can't forgive this. Yeah, no. Like this is not forgivable. And it's um, a good reminder. Wealthy people, uh, pedophile monsters. Calling back to last episode. I'm not going to take debate on that one. You don't have to. Um, Again, I did that for me. So, uh, yeah, that's all I had to say, I guess. <laughs> Well, all right. Uh, Donnie Smith, played by William H. Macy, a former What Do You Kids Know champion, watches the show from a bar. Donnie's parents spent the money he won as a child, and he has just been fired from his job at Solomon & Solomon, an electronics store, due to chronic lateness and poor sales. He is obsessed with getting oral surgery, thinking he will land the man of his dreams after he gets braces. He hatches a plan to get back at his boss by stealing the money he needs for his braces. I feel Donnie in my soul for most of the movie. Uh, he, it's also uh, not explicitly said, but pretty much said that uh, he used to be smart and got struck by lightning and is now dumb. That's what he says about himself. Oh, okay. Okay. See, I'm, I, I guess his, his main line on that is I used to be smart. Now I'm just stupid. And I feel like it, it was pretty heavily implied. It was because he got struck by lightning. I, I didn't I, get that. I, I had a slightly different reading. Um, I felt like the, um, and I could, I kind of like your reading. I, I think it makes sense, but, um, but also I like mine. So fuck you. Oh. Uh, so mine is just that he, uh, you know, existed in a situation where he was, you know, really smart and famous and everything kind of made sense to him as a kid. And then when he grew up, um, it's not, it turns out that just like being good at trivia isn't everything. Yeah. Getting along in the world is just like a different set of skills, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that he just, he feels him being smart as a kid doesn't make him like smart or special or good in the real world. Right. Especially because his parents, you know, sort of traumatized him a little bit. I feel like that's kind of more of, that's what I was feeling from it anyway. Like the uh, the former gifted and talented student depression bit. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean and yeah, like you, you get to this point, you do certain things in, in school, and it's kind of praised as, oh, this is something a really smart kid knows how to do. And then like, you know, some of those kids go on to do pretty damn well, and some not so much. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll say, like, from my perspective, I liked school a lot. I wasn't mm-hmm. a quiz kid genius or anything, but uh, mm-hmm. but I like school, and, you know, I'm pretty good at, like, reading books and writing papers about them, and so, that like, that's pretty cool way up until college, and then once you get out of college, you're like, oh, you know, unless you're, like, going into academia, that's not, you know, you may yeah. have picked up a lot of useful things along the way, but that's not, like, the primary skills <laughs> that you need yeah. to be happy and, like, emotionally well-adjusted in life, so I think right. that's part of why I felt that is because it's... A feeling that a lot of people have is like, oh, the world made sense when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. but now it fucking doesn't. Now I'm just yeah. another schmuck on the street. Oh no, with a I, shitty I just, job. I just I was just really good at taking tests. I don't actually know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. And then the lightning. I at least my read for it was just that. His life, just, his life just fucking sucked. Like he yeah. just he just had bad <laughs> uh, luck. You I, know, like his parents stole his money and I guess he got what I by lightning and I guess what I got out of that is like 
why would you have brought that up like and repeated it multiple times if it didn't i don't know i just got that like the reason they were even bringing it up was kind of to imply that you know that's why he was dumb because i mean he he didn't really seem like someone who just like stopped caring anymore he kind of seemed like a little slow to me at least yeah well and i I think i figured that was from him like the lightning was basically i mean he said they said he got struck in the head with lightning or whatever so yeah i mean yeah it's hard to tell i i guess if pta has uh has something specific he said about this that would be one thing but parent teachers association yeah yeah the pta it determines all of my uh, movie views actually uh, also we have paul thomas anderson with us today as a guest Uh, do you have anything to add paul no, he's just shaking his head and running out of the room crying. So oh, um, good. <laughs> none of you get it. Really have, none oh, of you get it. Bye, Paul. Okay. Um, anyway, um, the yeah, lightning no. was a metaphor. I, I think, well, I mean, no, I, I think I think yeah, it comes down to this this thing where he's like trying to just he's talking about honestly in a lot of ways this whole movie is about coincidences and just kind of like random chance playing a role in just all these crazy things that are happening with people. And I think the lightning was just kind of one of those coincidences and maybe it was supposed to imply that it made him dumb maybe it was just one of those things that like yeah no he was he great as a kid this child star had uh you know seemed like he was doing a-okay and his parents stole his money and he got hit by lightning yeah um i feel and you know i'm not trying to argue you out of it because i i think it's a plausible interpretation there's no way to know either way um, i think both of our versions make sense um, but at least when i watched it i was just I also felt like he was slow, but it very much in like an emotional way. Like he had like an emotionally stunted development mm-hmm. and he was still very childlike. You know, he was like, seemed like he had never been in a relationship probably and was really hyping this guy up and trying to get braces and thought that that would lead to yeah. like love. And he keeps saying, I have all this love to give. I just don't know where to put it. Which might, um, you know, that still, kind you know, of... stay in some smart person stuff yeah. every so often. He has braces. If I have braces too, we'll be together forever. <laughs> well, but no, see, I've like, never talked to him before. You, you say, you say he's a smart person stuff. He just, he just rattles off trivia and like that's, that's the kind of thing that might happen if you well, say yes. you, you were forced to stay in and study trivia to be like a TV quiz genius yeah. and not actually interact with, you know, people around you. His definition of smart people stuff though, you know, I mean, yeah. when he says I used to be smart, I think he meant that I used to be considered smart. Right. You know? I used and, to be whatever we think of as smart. And, and now he says he's just stupid, but really it's like different guy. kinds of intelligence. Yeah. And, what he's what he was trained to do as a kid doesn't translate necessarily. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the uh, show's former producer Earl Partridge is also dying of cancer. Earl's trophy wife Linda, uh, Julie, played by Julianne Moore, collects his prescriptions for morphine while he is cared for by a nurse, Phil Parma, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Earl asks Phil to find his estranged son, Frank Mackey, a motivational speaker, peddling a or, yeah peddling a pickup artist course to men. Uh, Frank, of course, being played by Tom Cruise. Uh, Frank is in the midst of an interview with a journalist who reveals that she knows Frank had to take care of his dying mother after Earl abandoned the family. An angry Frank storms out of the interview when Phil gets through to him. I also uh, did not catch that Earl was the former producer of um, that TV show because I was trying to figure out how that little subsection was connected to the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, it and just kind of like... I, there we I, go. Yeah, he was mentioned that he was in TV or something. I know uh, Frank T.J. Mackey... Uh, definitely said during the interview that oh yeah my dad was in tv Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i just yeah i'm not sure where else that all comes from but yeah because i kind of felt like there was like two separate connected groups there was like the little group with earl and frank and phil Mm -hmm. and and julian linda and then there was the bigger group that all had to do around that game show and i'm like i thought they were all connected but no here we go 
Here we go. Kind of like vaguely connected. Earl used to be part of that show, so kind of tangentially. Yeah. There we go. Uh, And Linda's trying so hard. Um, She's having a rough night. (laughs) Oh, Linda. Linda's a mess. (laughs) I think Linda, man, I I do think Donnie is my favorite character in this movie, but Linda's a real close second for me. Linda's like Julianne Moore really fucking shows up for this movie. So in this movie full of people whose lives are complete messes, your favorite are the two whose lives are just way worse than everybody else's. Well, Well, (laughs) are they? I mean, mean, uh, you say like, yes, they're complete messes, but they're not complete messes. Like everyone in the movie is a complete mess in a different way. And like Julianne Moore's character is, yeah, she's a complete mess right now, but like, this husband who she's apparently just realized that she actually loves, but you know, but whatever you catch, you catch feelings. It happens. Um, but like, I she, mean, I think they're the two that are most vocal or like obvious in their, yeah. In their craziness, I guess. I mean, Tom like, Cruise is pretty crazy too. Yeah. Well, yeah pretty up but there for me though, you know, he's, he's a successful con man. Doing uh, pickup artist. They're pick called pickup artists. artists. Yeah. And they're disgusting. I mean, you know, Jimmy Gator, yeah, he's dying of cancer, but he doesn't seem too upset about it. He's drinking and he's having fun. Yeah. See, uh, I, he's I not think, having fun. <laughs> I think part of part of it's just that I I can relate a lot more to the way that, say, Julianne Moore's character or um, uh, William H. Macy's character are dealing with things versus, like, I look at Tom Cruise's character. I'm like, yeah, I get why you're like this, but you're still kind of gross. And uh, he's a perfect human being who's mm. uh, giving uh, solid advice for all the men out there. He, oh God, he's peddling shit to incels. Uh, but, <laughs> but solid advice. <laughs> no, whereas I think like I identify or I can or at least relate a bit more to uh, the way Donnie's handling things, which is uh, drinking and unnecessary dental surgery. Oh well, maybe not that last part. <laughs> um, or is that why you have braces to try and woo some some beautiful man at a bar? It's you. Oh, but I don't <laughs> even have braces. That was a horrible. I idea. know. I did not think this through. Uh, but and, and then you know, Linda's handling it by trying to a care for this person that she cares about um, by going getting the medicine that he needs, but also self medicating, which yeah. is not the way to do it. Okay, I I also kind of. Oh, Claudia and Jim. I also really like them. But. I'm also going to say something about Linda. I didn't see a lot of true caring about Earl in this movie. I like thought she, trying, trying to she, get herself taken pi- out of the will she, was one thing. I but. mean, I guess. But like, she picked up the pills, and then every time she was at the house, she like dropped off the pills and left. And like, yeah. she was never really... I mean, she didn't know how to handle it. Like, she, like she, I, I feel like she, the closest thing was when she screamed at phil for calling frank yeah. that was like the only time where she just she didn't gave him a know. real tender kiss before she left and she was laying in bed with him mm-hmm. when she came back she just know. didn't I, know how to handle what was going on as part of the problem yeah, I think like, she just had a lot of guilt anytime she was around him there's that there's just the the absolute stress of that situation that it, that it really has to be like i mean i've known family members who've died but like something you know your spouse dying is a little bit more than than that yeah, um, and also it's 
uh, like I feel like with her, you know, it's hard to understand how people will act um, when they have sickness all around them and you fucking ask them their life. What's wrong? Have you seen death in your bed, in your house? Where's your fucking decency? Uh, See, I just thought that the that I the love younger, her monologue so much in this movie. It was great. I just thought that the younger pharmacist was trying to see if she wanted to party, though. That's what that's what I was getting at at first. That's what I thought he was getting at at first. Anyway, I think it was a little of both, and that I think she's right that they were sort of like talking about her. Mm-hmm. Like I thought she was she was definitely like reacting at like a twelve when the situation maybe called for a six. But I felt like she wasn't wrong about a lot of the things that she freaked out on people for. Yeah, and like the rest of her situation, kind of yeah, she it kind of informs why she re- replied at a twelve. She could have built up to it she could have built up to that but she was like i'm going all in on this on this bitch right now yeah and it was great and it's just you could tell that she was like at the end of her rope like she was living her day-to-day life at an 11 because she was so stressed so anytime something bad happens and she cracks it's gonna be at a 12 also she shouldn't have slapped phil i'm sorry i slapped you on the face uh phil phil also you know just doing his best we don't really get any indication of phil like specifically being messed up but He's just really know. emotional about the things going on around him. Yeah, and I don't want to, you know, toss any shade towards, like, hospice care workers or something, but it's like he's gets really wrapped up in this and spends a lot of his time trying to help this guy, which is really nice, but you could also see it being something where if you have a little bit of baggage, you might try to get lost in other people's problems. Sure. All right, uh, Linda goes to see Earl's lawyer, begging him to change Earl's will. She admits she married Earl for his money, but now loves him and does not want it. The lawyer suggests she renounce the will and refuse the money, which would go to Frank. Linda rejects his advice and leaves in a rage. Linda berates Phil for seeking out Frank, but later apologizes. She then drives to a vacant parking lot and washes down handfuls of prescription medicine with alcohol. Dixon finds Linda in her car, near death, and calls an ambulance after taking money from her purse. Good guy Dixon. Honestly, he's trying his best to to keep this movie and all its characters going on the right path. Good guy Dixon stealing money. Well, but calling nine one one too. So it's like, ah, oh, you're kind again, of a prick, but you're that. also not. I would take that trade. That's just a fee for services, right? Well, okay, but again, and I, I said this while this was happening. Uh, the ambulance is also going to charge you a shitload of money, but also Linda and her family can afford it. So I there mean, is, yeah, that. And I, I would take that over being dead. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. All right. Uh, well, before his date with Claudia, Jim takes fire during a pursuit and loses his gun. When he meets Claudia, they promise to be honest with each other, so he confesses his ineptitude as a cop and admits he has not been on a date since he was divorced three years earlier. Claudia says he will hate her because of her problems, but Jim assures her that her past does not matter. They kiss, but she runs off. God, when Jim lost his gun, I I, I was low-key nervous that that kid was going to like pick up the gun and shoot himself. That's what I thought was about to happen in Dixon's that moment. Got a gun. Do 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 do. Janie Briggs got a gun. Oh, and if y'all notice, oh, she's got a gun. <laughs> if y'all notice that guy in the hoodie that he was after, uh, that was the worm. Mm-hmm. Played so, by Orlando Jones, who's all all his scenes got cut out. Yeah, that that kind of <laughs> so, sucks. Uh, could have had another uh, semi big name actor in this movie to with this. Who's Orlando Jones? Is that the Lord of um, Rings guy? No. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, it's alright, I don't I, I, know, I know either. I know a lot of movies he's in, but I don't know any that you would have necessarily known him from. Oh, you know what? I think he might be that guy from Evolution. Or the um, Time Machine. Oh, wasn't he in the replacements too? He was I think the, he was in Drumline. He was yeah, in, Drumline, definitely Drumline. He was in the replacements. Oh, Looking at his IMDB. Okay, you're right. oh. <laughs> also the Book of Love. He played dumbass in that. So, oh okay. I'm sorry. Uh, classic uh, character, dumbass. Dumas. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. 
also Sleepy Hollow the TV series? Yeah, that was a thing. What? Did you not know that was a thing? Who could possibly care about that? I don't know. People watched it, I think. Uh, but yeah, anyway, he's from the movie. Evolution guy. Our family really loves the movie Evolution. For, have you guys ever seen Evolution before? No, it looked Mm-mm. terrible. It's a wild fucking movie. It has Orlando Jones and David Duchovny in it. Okay. And it is basically about like these aliens or insects for some reason that are like evolving into horrible monsters and starting to take over the earth. That sounds right. And the way that they end up destroying the monsters is... That water, water. I've they, seen this movie. No, 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 no. They find out they're like... <laughs> they find out that they're like... I don't know. They found out like the element that they're based on, right? Like we're carbon-based life forms. And David Duchovny is Selenium. like, yeah, if you go two, it, it might be something. Like that. <laughs> you, you go two rows down and one row to the left on the periodic table, and you get arsenic, which is what poisons us. So to figure out what poisons them, you do the same thing, and you get like you know head and shoulders or whatever. Wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> it was you know what some primary ingredient in like soap. <laughs> and I just I love that. I love that idea that like arsenic that like the the periodic table will t- give you that kind of information and also arsenic is the only thing on the periodic table that's poison like mercury is pretty bad too right there is that like xenon i bet if i drank a bunch of xenon i probably wouldn't do great You'd be fine i mean if I'd i breathe like, no- lapidus all if of, i breathe all nothing the- but just straight carbon i'm sure i wouldn't help me even a- and i'm a carbon-based <laughs> yeah. life form or like uranium's on there and that's not good for me <laughs> no, all uranium's of the noble fine. gases are just perfect for you mm, name five and i'll believe you isn't that what the last row is yeah, with radion, helium, radon, radon, xenon, xenon. Krypton. Yeah, krypton. Stop helping him. <laughs> yeah, all those. Did you say Krypton? I don't think that's a real I one. I think it is. It is actually. I'm really? Pretty sure. Pretty confident. Yeah. Is it from? Is Superman? <laughs> Superman's <laughs> Did not you real. Stop Superman. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Kryptonite. <laughs> Superman's not real. He can't hurt you. That's well, Krypton was his planet, it's, it's right? A, it's a knight made out of Krypton. Oh, Krypton is. Krypton would, I would actually is what? It is an element. That's Yay! <laughs> oh, hey, we didn't have our legal discussion from the beginning of the movie. Anyway, so that's the cinema. <laughs> Wait, what's our legal discussion? Is it whether or not he was allowed to come into that woman's apartment at the beginning? Well, there was that, but there was also, oh, there was some form of, oh, the, the homicide bit where, where the where oh, the guy was that? shot falling out the window. Yeah, was that murder or not? Which I, would, actually, I would claim manslaughter. With, with actually, that the, yeah, I think manslaughter sounds about right. Actually, that that's based on a popular urban legend. All the, the stuff on the beginning, the uh, scuba diver one and that one are urban legends. Mm-hmm. The one with the guys who were named after the town. I don't know if that was their names, but the guy that they talked about getting murdered that was actually a thing that happened. Yeah. Okay. But anyways, that it's urban not that much of a coincidence. Yeah, that uh, that urban legend is something that is used in legal discussion, like like exercises and stuff to uh, determine like causality and stuff like that. Okay. Interesting. Well, um, I am a lawyer, uh, by which I mean, I have watched a lot of law and order. Yeah. Um, I have learned that for second degree murder, uh, you need depraved indifference, which I think you don't have if you think that your gun is not loaded. So I'm going to agree with Mason uh, that this is a manslaughter situation, which is also known as third degree murder, by the way. So this was murder. In certain states. All right. In certain states. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's, that's we've already had this argument. That is your free legal advice for the episode. Also, <laughs> if you stalk somebody and they run into traffic trying to catch you, and there's a restraining order against you, then that's murder too, and we all agree on it. Okay, uh, keep going. Uh, I don't agree, but okay, let's keep going. 
All right. Uh, Jimmy goes home to his wife, Rose, and confesses that he cheated on her. She asks why Claudia does not talk to him, and Jimmy admits that Claudia believes he molested her. Rose demands to know if it is true, but Jimmy says he cannot remember if he committed the abuse. Upset, Rose tells Jimmy he deserves to die alone and walks out on him. Listen, I don't remember if I touched my own daughter. I was really drunk through like the entirety of the 70s through the 90s, which is today. <laughs> yeah because that's when this movie was made i mean you're right that's definitely it's definitely a ludicrous thing which is not an excuse um and probably fair to say that if he's not sure then probably he just did molest her especially if she says that he did because yeah. she would be the one to know she yeah, it, yeah. since yeah. he was blackout drunk uh but yeah i do think that they take one tiny half step towards making him not a totally despicable character i mean or at least so despicable that we don't want to ne- we don't feel bad about him not shooting himself in the face and I is that do. he was, well, okay. I'm sorry. Continue. You wanted him to shoot himself in the face? Yeah, sure. Why not? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> what, I'm not, I'm not in what, uh, what good comes from him shooting himself in the face? One less pedophile in the world. Oh, is he a pedophile though? One less child molester in the world. Should all pedophiles shoot themselves in the face? I don't know. I'm not very charitable to them these days. I think for reasons we covered in Eyes Wide Shut. So let's uh, let's just keep going. Okay. Uh, I don't <laughs> have anything else to say to that. <laughs> Me neither. All right. Uh, I'm also going to say something real quick because this recap doesn't uh, that I totally wrote uh, didn't say anything about this. Uh, Frank does eventually go to Earl's house and has an emotional reconnection with him. That is completely left out of this. Oh so, yeah, yeah, he does. Um, that was kind of yeah, a which, sweet scene, but not. I mean, it's it's him like trying to, you know, you know, I'm not going to cry for you and call him a cocksucker and piece of shit and all that. But then eventually breaking down and saying like he doesn't want him to go and everything like that. So, you know, it's kind of closure, I guess, like him getting over or kind of getting over his issues with his dad or whatever and realizing he actually did love his dad. He's been holding on to this hate this whole time. Yeah. Telling people, telling people that they need to respect the cock and tame the cunt. And you know, uh, did we have to say that out loud? Yeah. That was uh, the quote at the beginning of the episode. Wait, but we haven't done the quote at the beginning. Of that's the, episode. the quote that they he don't put know in. that listening. Oh my God. <laughs> time travel. You didn't tell us that's what, Oh, whatever. I did, though. Remember? He did. When we were watching oh, the movie, yeah. right after he said that for the first time, I started humming the intro music, just like the beginning of the podcast uh, that everyone here has already heard. So anyways, uh, Donnie takes money from Solomon and Solomon's safe. As he drives away, he decides to return the money, but discovers he cannot get back in as his key broke off in the lock. While climbing a utility pole to get on the roof, he is seen by a passing gym. Suddenly, frogs begin falling from the sky with multiple consequences. As, Jim is, as Jimmy is about to shoot himself, frogs fall through the skylight, causing him to shoot the TV, which sets the, sets the house on fire. Rose crashes her car in front of Claudia's apartment, but makes it inside and reconciles with her daughter. Earl is awakened by the sound and sees Frank b- beside him before dying. Linda's ambulance crashes in front of the emergency room, and Donnie is knocked from the pole and smashes his teeth and is dragged by, to safety by Jim. So now he needs the oral surgery. Yes. Also... Love the frogs. I think it's a great addition to the movie. It, personally. Yeah, a lot of people don't like to sing along in the frogs, but I'm here for both of these scenes. Yeah, they oh, did kind of yeah, skip, the skip over the sing along a little bit. I mean, it's it's not really pro- plot relevant. It's just an interesting. It is thematically choice. relevant, though. I guess. I mean, it's just it's it's Claudia 
doing fucking blow and then singing along to the song and then simultaneously every other main character is also singing along to the song that's true but no the frog thing and the, the other thing that i really love about this is stanley looking out the window saying this is a thing that happens this thing that actually happens and it is this is a thing that actually happens did y'all also notice on the painting in claudia's apartment they zoomed in on a little word and it says this happens on it it was right Whoa. it was right before the stanley scene yeah uh, <laughs> that was my mind blowing also another little piece of trivia here uh this actually did happen to um uh what's his name philip baker hall uh the guy who plays jimmy who Seymour Hall. Hall. Yeah. this actually this actually happened to him in italy one time frogs being dropped from the sky so mm. oh Weird. while he was trying to shoot yeah. himself no. Okay. Just a just a fun coincidence. He actually has experienced this phenomenon in real life. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was him. It's either him or Philip Seymour Hoffman. It was one of the Phillips. <laughs> yeah, one of the. I believe that it seems to happen most frequently with fish, but yeah, but um, no, I've I've heard of this happening before too. Yeah, with there, frogs and stuff. Uh, there is according to uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, it happened twice in Uruguay in 2011. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I like both of these moments because I feel like one of the themes of this movie is that uh, people often uh, feel sad and alone, uh, but you're more connected than you think to the rest of the world. This is true. Um, And not in like a literal sense, but I think that it actually taps into two experiences that people um, actually have a lot and can identify with. And the first with the singing is that, you know, I feel like we all have these moments where we're like, oh, I wonder if anyone else in the world is like doing the same thing as me right now or feeling the same way as me. And it's just just like, yeah, you have 10 people who are connected to you who are all feeling the same way right now. Even if they're not literally singing the song with you. Some of them might be singing the same song if it's a popular song. (laughs) Maybe, probably not all 10 of Listen, there are probably Um, 20 people at least singing Lizzo right now. So if you want to start singing along. Yeah, And they all only sing the line that applies to their current situation. Yes. Which I will get Um, more into that in the trivia section. But And uh, also the second one with the frogs is that you just have these moments of like feeling connected to people because something uh really fucking weird is happening um and i don't for some reason the best example i can think of is like 9-11 or something but just something that just like totally takes you outside of yourself and you're like oh this is something where we're all experiencing the same thing at the same time and that's kind of like a wild moment of connection like the Um, runway finale which, which i liked the what what nothing go Project Runway finale. Just continue. Don't don't ask me questions. <laughs> what what what? We were all experiencing the same thing at the same time. Let's just drop it. Were Let's we? keep going. Yeah. Who else was watching that? Who cares about that? Do you watch Project Runway? Are you okay, <laughs> <laughs> buddy? Are you are you okay? I I don't Do recall. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Reality television. <laughs> Project Runway specifically. Let's move on. <laughs> Have you ever watched The Bachelor? Uh, no, actually. Do you watch Jersey Shore? <laughs> no, no. What no. about Big Brother? That show seemed weird to me. Oh. Like seemed really weird okay, to me. Let, let's move on. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I don't mean to hate on things that other people like. I just. What are y'all doing right now? I don't. What are y'all doing? What, <laughs> I don't what are y'all understand. doing? Y'all are derailing what? everything. Putting cameras in the house and bit. watching I, people I, for I a whole. Mason's for a doing whole. a bit or not? But I was doing a bit. <laughs> anyways jim counsels donnie and helps him return the money his gun also mysteriously falls from the sky Uh, frank goes to the hospital to be with linda who will recover from her attempted suicide and stanley returns home and tells his father that he needs to be nicer to him but his father just tells him to go to bed and jim goes to see claudia telling her he wants to make things work between them and she smiles in reply you know what i think stanley's dad is the biggest monster in this whole movie 
even more than uh, child molester Jimmy Gator? I, uh, you know what, you know what, Jimmy Gator has done some bad things, but I would rather see him. I would rather see him pay some kind of actual penance and actually do something to make it up to his daughter, which is admittedly very tough to do and possibly impossible. But I don't yeah. know. Like I, that, that's that, that's one of those weird things where like I don't really want want to see the guy kill himself. But yeah. I don't understand at all what he did. But I don't know. It's it's the whole thing. I think his character is an interesting one to include because he, of all the characters in here, other than Stanley, um, you know, you everybody else sort of seems like they're being reconciled to someone else in their life or like mm-hmm. they're being connected to someone else in their life. And he is not. Uh, maybe the only thing he's doing that's better than before is that he's not lying to his wife anymore. So he's allowing his daughter to be connected to his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, it seems, maybe giving himself permission to stay alive. And I don't, um, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I don't necessarily think that I want to see him, you know, over... Or I, I don't even know if it's necessary, like, for him to reconcile with his daughter, or like, if he deserves yeah, that, any of that. But it's, it's probably impossible for him at this moment. But oh, it's he just might more be like, a, well, you get to be alive or something. I don't know. He I mean, might, he also has cancer. <laughs> yeah, so he's not going to be alive for long if if the movie is correct. He also yeah. might already be dead. His house did catch on fire, and you never saw him leaving the house. Yeah, oh. but he was protected by that insulating layer of frogs. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just a whole. Oh man, was he that giant frog Voltron that we saw yeah. outside at the end of the movie? Yeah, he's actually now more powerful than ever, despite the cancer. Bow down <laughs> before frog butt. I would also argue that uh, this movie needed to be a little bit longer for us to get uh linda's implied reconciliation with with frank i feel like we mm-hmm. got we got whatever her little emotional turn was early in the movie at the beginning with yeah. realizing that she loved earl mm-hmm. but like her little she still had a lot of problems and i feel like her like kind of reconciliation that seemed to be implied was going to happen between her and frank with frank yeah. going to the hospital we didn't actually get to see it so yeah maybe that went really badly it could have <laughs> i mean and frank and linda are still just super depressed wait, no, did, that's probably wait, one of those situations that we saw him come in and say, like, you're going to be okay. Like, you're going to The, the doctor this. was talking to Linda, and we saw Frank oh, walking okay. into the hospital, yeah, but okay. I think that's about as far yeah, as I we don't, saw. I don't think we ever saw Frank actually in a scene with Linda. Okay. So. Well, so I like this, too, that it's, that again, with the, you know, Phil is at least has told the truth to his wife, so his wife and his daughter can be together. I feel like that's another thing that it's like, if you are, you know, sometimes there's uh, bridges in your life that you can mend that are not... It's not just that you're reconciling yourself with your father if you're Tom Cruise, but it's also that you can now be there for his wife, too. Like, mm. you guys sort of have a connection now. Yeah, he's there for all of the women before. that his father has abandoned. Yeah. First yeah. by choice and second by death. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't understand that, but it sounds well, cool. Where, where he, he abandoned his first wife as uh-huh. she got sick, and Frank was there to take oh, care of her. Okay. And then now Frank will take care of Linda okay. now that he's abandoned her. I thought this was going to be some sort of like weird, like oblique, like Conan the Barbarian reference or something. Like, no. I am bound to you first by choice <laughs> and then by death. <laughs> well, you know me and my Conan, but... <laughs> Big Conan fan? I, I mean, I like him with the shirts off. You know, I'm going to say it. I watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan, of which there may be multiples. Um I watched the one where during the final fight, he's like saved by a ghost or something. Spoiler alert. And it, it was actually good. Like I thought those movies were supposed to be bad, but it was actually really good. Like there's just a whole like, no, like there's a reason they're enjoyed. battle sequence with no dialogue, which is great. You know, it's very like pulpy, it's right? Like, like, like the old, the old kind of like pulp sci-fi and was it, fantasy yeah. type deal. But like, it, that doesn't mean it's bad. Was it the Conan TV show or was it a Hercules TV show with the disappointing Hercules? Line? Okay. 
Hundred percent. Disappointed. <laughs> uh, I think uh, Xena, the better version of that show. Oh, well, there you go. But you yeah. know. Uh, anyway, yeah. More on Magnolia. <laughs> oh, right, right. Uh, what's Magnolia? We're talking about it's this movie that we watched. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, I like <laughs> that was... everybody is like a little bit better at the end, but not. I'm always a big fan of like not magically curing all of your problems. I like when things. Yeah get a little bit better like Mad Men Mad Men was great I don't know if you guys ever watched that show but like at the end of every season like Don Draper would have this like big life-changing you know revelation about how he needed to be different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he would just like change everything and then you'd come back the next season and he would just be back to like his own same miserable self but just like a little bit better I was just go. very honest about the fact that like change is slow yeah <laughs> it takes a long time well, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, I yeah, who knows? Jim and Claudia, you know, maybe I, maybe when Jim finds out that Claudia does blow, he's gonna be like, "Whoa!" Okay. Oh, sorry, I'm a man of God. Right. <laughs> I forgot. Like, Claudia never stopped doing cocaine this whole time, right? Nope. And she never told Jim about it either because yeah. she she ran away instead of telling him. So, mm. well, you know, and maybe they'll get to that. I I don't know. I like that those two are together. I thought they made an adorable couple. Yeah. Um, and his arc specifically was about like being more forgiving of stuff. So. Yeah. Well, and I like I like the amount of. Uh, the amount of like thought and effort they put into, uh, I guess, and in, into her too, because like at the start when you first see her, it, it's like oh, it's it's pretty easy to dismiss her as just you know a druggie in an apartment like doing yeah. whatever. But they they go into a lot of the backstory on why, and I don't know. Part of me really hates that the that everything that with uh, with Dixon and Worm and Marcy got cut out because yeah. I feel like. You you take all this time to go into all this detail about all these other connected characters. You could have done the same, and from the sound of it, they did do the same. But it it really is a long ass movie. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I just I want to I want to see that footage. Show it to us, Paul. Give us Stop the running footage, away, Paul. Paul. We'll lock you in the basement again, Paul. With Tuca. Oh, oh that's the... that sounds like a fun time. <laughs> Please let me out. I'm a hockey player. I need to return to my hockey team. Anyways, anything else on Magnolia? <laughs> uh, nope. I, right. I, I don't know. Not much. I really enjoyed it. I think that overall, despite any little bits of, I guess, uh, little, little jabs I may have made throughout this, I very much enjoyed it. And yeah, good job, Paul. Yeah, I like this movie. Good job, Paul. You get one hour out of the basement. The first time I saw thank you. <laughs> uh, um, can I spend it with my family? No. Oh, We're your no. family now, Paul. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the first time I saw this movie, it became like my favorite movie because, again, mostly it was competing with Hercules and Olympus Has Fallen. <laughs> um, it is certainly not like my favorite movie anymore, but it's like a top 10 to 20 movie for me. You yeah. know, it's like it's up there for me. I enjoy this a lot. Probably the I haven't seen too many of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies because they're really I long. Drink your milkshake. <laughs> I, I drink it up. I, I still need to see. One. I still need to I see Boogie Nights. My boy. Of I've the, heard great things about Boogie Nights. Of the I think three that I've seen, this is definitely my favorite. Um, I still really love Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread was uh, this movie. This movie was long, but stuff was happening the whole time. A Phantom Thread could have been like an hour 15. Okay, but Phantom Thread is like Fifty Shades of Grey, but British. But extremely British. That's a horrible <laughs> No, it's a perfect do not, analogy. Do not listen to that. It, that I don't even, I'm not even a huge fan of Phantom Thread, and I would give it more credit. Than oh, that. okay, sorry. I don't, I don't mean that as an insult to Phantom Thread. What I mean is, uh, okay, 
but British and written by Ben and all done by Paul Thomas Anderson. So it's very good. Okay. Anyways, let's get into some uh, fun facts <laughs> so and background at all info, like on Magnolia, Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, another successful movie, but not quite as successful as we're used to seeing uh, from a Tom Cruise movie. Maybe because he wasn't the main character. Uh, $37 million budget, $48.5 million box office. So, you know. I mean, probably right. because it's right. a very, as a movie, it's kind of all over the place. Like it, It's it's like very coherent plot-wise. Um, um, but but it's really disconnected, and I think that could have some, you could have some trouble at the box office for that. There were also apparently a lot of walkouts. Uh, when this movie came out, I can't fathom. But okay, well, you people, you know what? If hey, you look, walked out hey, look, of this movie, all of these characters that aren't next to each other are singing the same song. This is really fucking weird. I'm going to go ahead and leave now. No, that was great. It was great. It was the, it was one of the threads that kind of connected the the themes of the movie. It's like a phantom thread connecting the movie. Why are there frogs falling from the sky? I don't need to watch. This, this. is a I'm thing that happens. Now. They say it. Tom Cruise is this saying is the word cunt happens. a lot. Yeah, that was really weird. <laughs> He's not Australian. He can't say that. Australian. Aust- oh. Australian. Hello, Gavna. Well, despite not huge box office. Um, I'm the king of Australia. Despite, <laughs> la- you know, that kangaroos. Despite not huge. <laughs> I wasn't even. You were egging him on. It's what I do. It's my job here. Oh, he's not allowed to egg me on. Okay, sorry. Keep going. I want to leave. Despite lackluster box office. Um. It was very well critically received, 83% critically, 89% publicly from Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm going to add Metacritic because Andrew thinks it's way better than Rotten Tomatoes. And it got a 4.8 out of 10 on Metacritic. No, was the 4.8 I believe out it. From, the, from the critics side? or That was the users. Critics is okay. out of 100. Oh, okay. I believe it was like 77 or something like that. All right. Oh, okay. So... Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I, think, I think Andrew's thing is you, you listen to the, uh, to the critics on Metacritic but I, I'm speaking for him right now. Yeah, I mean, I oh, he, either he, way. It's, he, uh, it's a more intuitive system, that's all. Yeah, but like, see, the thing with Metacritic, too, is that you have a bunch of people who very much hate the thing that they're going on a Metacritic to criticize, and they kind of bomb reviews. And that's more video games than movies, I think, but it happens. Yeah, go with the critics. Yeah. Well, I just know last week for Eyes Wide Shut, he brought up the user score because it defended what he said about the movie. <laughs> I didn't know there were two scores. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, apparently, apparently there are. I don't know. There, there was a 77 and there was a 4.8 for Magnolia. So I'm guessing the 77 was critics. Uh, no stunts. And despite what I said before we started recording, I'm not counting that as running. Low bar, Donnie. He didn't run. He jumped backwards. <sighs> All it right. was not a run. And I looked it up. A lot of people consider this to be one of the very few movies he does not run in. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen. The first Tom Cruise movie where he does not run. Listen, we're all about the low bars here, so I'm going to say he does run for like three steps. But he jumps. Flipping is a stunt. Jumping. Jumping is a stunt. (laughs) (laughs) If you're talking about his little backwards uh, somersault into handstand while wearing oh, tiny whities. that was a thing. I guess yeah, by the loosest possible margin, that is a stunt. What about uh, what about sobbing as his bastard nope, of a father Mason, dies? I thought we stopped this bit where you just say generic acting things and call them stunts. Well, I stopped it because y'all were doing it for me. Is but silently this time- <laughs> judging a stunt? 
Well, I'm stunting, <laughs> stunting away right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm silently. You're not. You're you. not silent. Donnie. Anyways, check-based movie analysis. <laughs> Let's get away from this. Yes. Quit staring at me. Do your thing. I'm silently judging you. It passes all tests. Check-based movie analysis <laughs> instead of checklist-based movie analysis. Oh, well, okay. All righty. Let's see. Let's see what we got. Um, Magnolia was a movie that was released in 1999. Uh, they did have two women in it. Yes. Yeah. Were they named? Yeah. Yes. Did they talk to each other? Yes. yes. Yeah. Rose and Claudia talked to each other near the end about, are you doing Okay. Also, during the frog storm, Julianne Moore talks to Dr. Diane, whose name is Dr. Diane, a named <laughs> character who she talked to about medication. Sure. Which is not a man. I do not remember um, that, but I, it was also a long ass scene um, that happened. The little girl and the uh, press aide for uh, who the kids you know, they both had names. I just can't remember them. They talked to each other briefly. Yeah, but okay, they, they talked really? to her briefly about, uh, about Stanley peeing himself. We're talking Ooh. about the first part of the test. We haven't gotten there yet. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, not about a man, yes. Okay, sexy <laughs> lamp. Were there any non-sexy lamps? Um, I feel like Claudia all of your ladies were not sexy lamps. Wasn't really a sexy lamp. I mean, yeah, yeah can a sexy lamp deliver morphine? Yeah. I don't think so. Linda wasn't can a sexy lamp. I mean, away. all of the female character, can all the main female itself. characters had their own arcs. There they we were go. Their own story arcs. Perfect so which, example. Of oh the my God, PTA! Lamp. Thank you. Yes, uh, Michael Mori. Um, this is tough because everyone is sort of dealing. I didn't really say this in the episode, but a lot of the trauma in this movie specifically is about dads. Uh-huh. And they specifically call out in a couple of lines, even though he's sort of making fun of this point of view, Tom Cruise, when he says it, that like men can do a lot of damage. And that's one of the thesis of these movies, I feel like, is men can do a lot of damage to people in their lives. So, uh, yeah, I think I think the overall message of this movie was what Tom Cruise was saying ironically, but unironically. Like the movie was saying that unironically while yeah. Tom Cruise said it ironically. Yeah. Mm. I also um, want to point out something uh, that I wasn't going to put in the trivia. I forgot, but I feel like it's relevant a little bit here with this stuff. Um, PTA, when he wrote this movie, wrote the storyline for Claudia first, and that everybody else's story was wrapped around it. So in a way, Claudia huh. is kind of the main character. Okay. Yeah. He, I, I you don't, you don't really get that when you watch the movie, but in the way it was written, he wrote Claudia's storyline first. And so. I guess with Mako Mori, it's not that it's independent from a man's, but it's that it's not just about supporting a man's, right? So yeah. Claudia sort of is going through her own thing. Claudia's mom has an arc that's not, certainly not about supporting Phil. Right. Um, Opposite, really? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, it does pass the Mako Mori test. There you go. Uh, yeah. Is this our first? I think that's movie. Uh, no, you've got one up there. Far and away. Oh, far and away. Far and away. Far and away. Also, this almost, is our first good movie that passed the Bechdel test. Almost all the right. Or all moves. the tests. I mean. Um, Making all the right moves. I still can't believe all the right moves almost passed. It, yeah. I mean, um, it, listen, that's, that's that was a great movie. There were good elements to that movie, which sure. was not a great movie. Which one did um, that fail? The Bechdel test. I think yeah. it might have been the Bechdel because I, I don't know if they ever discussed anything. We're getting a little from. off topic here, but sorry. What? 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 what oh, all the right moves, Makamori, because uh, her arc was all about him. Uh, okay. It was specifically, explicitly all about supporting him going to college. Trying to um, think. Oh yeah, I guess there were. Okay, never mind. Yeah, they yeah. did pass Bechdel. So, anyways. Okay. So anyway, um, unsung heroes. That I, I said it when we were watching the movie. The ambulance driver who does everything in his power to get through those goddamn frogs and flips that ambulance right in front of the emergency room door. Hundred yeah. percent. Good job, he man. Got him. Listen, he was losing control, but he got him. Everybody there. else was flipping the flipping the fuck out, and he's like, "No, I gotta get there. I'll just flip over this barrier." Yeah, got him there. Oh, it's very true. Employee of the year, right there. Yeah. Um, my unsung hero. I have two unsung heroes. Uh, one of them is Janet. 
um, who's just doing her fucking job, oh, Frank. Yes. Uh, she and is doing her fucking the job. The lesser version of Janet, uh, whoever the first person who answered the phone when Phil called to try to get in touch with Frank. Uh, I think that those people were doing good. They pushed really mm-hmm. hard on Frank to reconcile with his father just because they gave a shit, I also, not because they had to. I also really love that were, the first yeah. guy like clearly talked about his own like personal like issues yeah. with family members dying and stuff like it, it's clear him and phil had a bond yeah. going on there moment. yeah they didn't really show it like, on screen are you still there he's like yeah yeah i'm still here i'm listening <laughs> no i'm <laughs> listening, 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 listening. Here. <laughs> yeah so unsung heroes those guys are great and now i'm gonna go with for my unsung hero i'm gonna go with uh the delivery guy and i guess the general company that delivers uh peanut butter bread and porn um oh, they, yeah. they they did a lot of work for them for the movie <laughs> that, i mean okay. i guess you know they, they are we are kind of in la i guess bigger cities like that have delivery services that are more like grocery I, I, I level just, yeah. stuff but yeah the fact that they DoorDash had hustler playboy me. and penthouse yeah it's funny to me that the punchline of that is that he wasn't just looking for porn he was looking for frank's phone number yes but also that on the phone call he's still like yeah, hustler. <laughs> do you, I'll get you all three of them. Yeah, Playboy? You probably don't need one? all three. And after he gets yeah. them, she goes back. He's like, "Do you do you still want the cigarettes, peanut butter, and bread?" And he's like, "What? What? Yeah, what, yeah of course." I do. <laughs> Duh. You sure? Um, you sure? You just just wasn't like a weird way to just get porn so you could jack it? Well, no, because <laughs> at that point, I feel like oh, this guy's gonna have a weird night with some peanut butter and bread and a cigarette after. Oh yeah, there you go. So yeah, but no, that, I think that whole delivery service not that great. Particular, they're great. Heroes. Actually, good guy Phil. Just trying to reconnect to dad and dad and his son through smut. But he doesn't get to be an unsung yeah. hero because we know he him sings. and we see him the whole time. Yes. Yeah, true. Um, okay, now uh, we have Lestat or Louis. Uh, oh. My Louis for this movie is whoever the fuck uh, Earl was. Um, I'm not blaming the actor necessarily, but I get really bored during Earl scenes in this movie. Um, and he has like really long monologues that I just totally space out during. Oh, what uh, is that? So he's my boring Louis of this movie. Even though everyone always says that his performance is great, I believe them, but I don't pay attention to it because it's boring. Um, and then Myla Stad is Julianne Moore. Like she is giving like 150%. She really she's is. She's great at everything she does in this movie. So I'm going to give Myla Stad of uh, this one to uh, the old man that's uh, the old gay man that's egging Donnie on the whole time. Oh, okay. Uh, I think he's. Wait, uh, Donnie or Donnie? Donnie. Donnie? Don or Don? Is it Don or Don? William H. Macy's character. Okay. God damn it. Okay. Uh, and I don't know who I would give my Lestat to. I, might have I to do like that guy. He's that. the granddad here from Luck of the Irish, I think. I don't really have a Louis, so we're going to team up here. I'm going to give Lestat, and I'm going to go a little bit different than the way we've been interpreting Lestat before. Okay. Because, because, this, is, because this is open-ended. Yeah, so the character of Lestat was uh, in the movie portrayed as evil, but he still cared in a weird way about Louis. But Are you going to give very... this to Tom Cruise again? No. Are you going to give this to the shop molester? No. Okay. Um, but he, he cared about Louis in a kind of a toxic way. I'm going to give it to Stanley's dad. No. Stanley's dad was a Lestat. Okay. Except he, he except he's an easy, uh, he's an evil bastard who seems to kind of have some weird care for his kid a little bit. There are a few scenes there where it kind of seems like it, but at the same time, he's also kind of a complete and total asshole. So okay. that is my Lestat. Okay. Lestat oh. doesn't have to be a good character. I'm going to disagree heavily, but I respect your choice. <laughs> I'm going to give it's an, interesting and different. I'm going to give another Lestat here real quick to Luis Guzman as Luis Guzman. <laughs> oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about that. He's just, every single one of his lines is just taunting the children. And and again, like in the credit, he, he's credited as Luis, Luis Guzman, Guzman as Luis Guzman. Guzman. So in a way, Luis Guzman, Luis Guzman's character does the same thing that Stan's dad does, 
but it's Luis Guzman and he's funny, so it's okay. No, because uh, Luis Guzman isn't actively abusive towards his own child. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have any. No, moral. he's just abusive towards every other people's child. He doesn't have any parental <laughs> responsibility for those children. <laughs> knowingly abusive. Child yeah. abuse is okay if they're not your kid. Well, I, I don't believe that. I mean, Do not <laughs> listen to me. It's parody, parody, okay, parody, parody. Okay, anyway, this is a comedic podcast. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, this is uh, fair use. Anyway, um, uh, God, okay. Now the Louis. That that's this is my problem because there are so many just great and charismatic characters. I feel bad calling any of them a Louis. I mean, Louis was really depressed. You could almost give it to everybody. Yeah, yeah, but True. they were charismatically depressed. Or you could give it to just like all of the other cops if they just kind of bum you out. Um, just you know, they just have that general. one scene where they're just screaming at that lady trying to find out who the worm is. Uh, or that <laughs> is dead that guy. Why, why did that scene exist people? if they weren't going to do anything else with the rest of that plot line? Jesus. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that scene specifically. Like, you get some of the other stuff because it introduces some of the concepts in the movie. And but like, then you, character, then you but specifically the have the, the woman getting, bl- getting booked in. And yeah, yeah that's it, it's weird. It's you know what it was important to the plot that they decided not to do another Lestat, Marcy. I'm not even going to explain anything about that. Yeah, no. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll just um, do that. All right, I'm springing a new category on you guys. This checklist based movie analysis. Hell so yeah, I really love new long. categories. I, I really love it when you bring up new categories. This honestly. category, uh, we're just going to recommend a movie, um, and uh, it doesn't okay. have to be at all related to what we're talking about. It can, for instance, when I was trashing uh, Point Break on that podcast that we haven't and will never release, probably I would probably tell people to go watch Fast and Furious and consider if it's better than Point Break or not. Um, and this one, I'm just going to say Doctor Sleep because I saw it recently. And I really fucking love that movie. Um, okay. Go watch Doctor Sleep if you haven't. It's a really good Stephen King adaptation. It's like a really good YA novel in movie form. All right. Well, I'm going to follow your lead and say another movie I watched recently, uh, one that you did not particularly like, but I really enjoyed, The Lighthouse. Boo, I respect it, but didn't enjoy it. Uh, because I feel like if you really enjoy the scene where they're just singing randomly or the frog scene in Magnolia, just all the weird scenes, you're going to like The Lighthouse because it's that for two yeah. and a half hours. Yes. And it's just also Willem Dafoe and oh. Robert Pattinson are the only two actors in the entire movie. And they are fucking amazing. Mm. Both of them. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> See, now here's where I would normally just say my favorite version of this movie that I've seen prior to this. But I'm not sure there is a version of this movie I've seen prior to this. Um, I don't know. Like, Have you not seen Crash? I, ha- well, I have. and <laughs> uh, Don't recommend. Don't tell people to see Crash. You could recommend <laughs> Phantom Thread or uh, you know Godzilla I w- movie that you watched recently or some stupid anime shit. I don't know. Dodgeball. Wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'm feeling V attacked right now. <laughs> yeah. Tucker and well, Dale versus Evil. Just, I was you know. intentionally attacking you in that moment. You know what? I could. You know what? I rewatched Tucker Dale versus Evil recently. I went to unrecommend that movie. Oh, say it doesn't wow. hold up that well. Oh, wow. Uh, you, uh, oh, you're, wow. you're wrong. It was um, 1 a.m. Also, I was tired. Yeah, we were real tired then. Uh, I'm going to recommend, I think, because Andrew just trashed it. You know what? <laughs> Is it stupid anime shit? <laughs> no, it's not stupid anime shit. Okay. It's stupid Godzilla shit. It's Shin Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it, no it, it's, it's probably it's a the, great movie. It's the most recent Japanese Godzilla movie. They do a great fucking job. And uh, yeah, I, like I could fa- recommend Phantom Thread. You know what? Fuck it. I'm recommending Phantom Thread as well. Okay. A uh, quick question about uh, Shin Godzilla. Uh, how many Matthew Brodericks are in it? Uh, at least 10. Okay, and how chonky is Godzilla? <laughs> <laughs> uh, depends. Godzilla goes through multiple forms in this movie. Okay. Um, and he's 
chonky in different ways, I think, through most of them. All right, because I really appreciated that we got a chonky Godzilla because I'm a chonky boy myself, and I like when we get to be the heroes in the movie. <laughs> it's like, That's yeah, fair. look at that. That Godzilla also enjoys eating a whole pizza on its weekend. Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> fair enough. All right, well, some trivia about uh, Magnolia. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman stated that during the deathbed scene, everything after Frank's I'm Not Going to Cry From You was improvised by Tom Cruise. Uh, he didn't feel the scripted lines worked, and PTA told Cruise to think of when his own father died and to let it move him. Uh, during the next take, Cruise broke down sobbing, resulting in the scene seen in the film, and Hoffman said that Phil's reaction to Frank sobbing was his own reaction since he did not know Cruise was going to enter uh, such a zone, and he felt the purity of Cruise's emotion. So, yeah. It's, okay, so that's, that's kind of a, a rough tale. I will say during that scene... Tom Cruise was kind of an ugly crier, but like you felt it. I like mean, it, it was a lot of people don't cry pretty. Oh no, no. <laughs> so. And like I'm not saying I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It was just yeah, it was there. It, he you you felt the sobs, mm-hmm. which I mean again makes sense why Phil would react like that too. The guy playing Phil would react like that. Yeah, I think I mentioned that was my favorite scene in the movie, and I I consider. They cut it up because that's how this movie is. Mm -hmm. But that whole scene, basically when Frank gets to Earl's house to when Earl dies, I feel like as that scene combined, I think it's probably my favorite parts of the movie because I feel like that's probably, I might say that might have been the best acting I've seen Tom Cruise do of all the movies I've seen him do that we've already done and that I've seen that we're going to get to. I feel like that's probably the most closest to like just, I mean, it was, it was pure raw emotion. Are you sure his greatest acting scene I don't know, personally. Fun fact, by the way, did you know that in that scene, uh, he was ad-libbing a lot of that? Yeah, I just said that. Yeah, because uh, uh, he didn't think that the lines worked, so Paul Thomas Anderson Yeah, see, I, I just, just read told that. Him no, 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 no. I just said that, I, I read no, that he, somewhere, but I can't remember he where. Said, he said he was ad-libbing it. Yeah. You said he improvised it. It's a different statement. It's a very it's different thing. Ad-libbing is proprietary. That. It's owned by Mad Libs. Yeah. What we is have to this pay bit that you're Tom Cruise did Mad Libs before the scene. He's like, all right, I'm going to do it like that. It didn't make much money because they had to license Mad Libs. I'm respectful during your section of the podcast. And then my section comes up and you just interrupt me. I do these bits. Bits are fun. You guys get sections? <laughs> That's a good bit. Good bit right Thank there. You. Thank it's you. It's also funny because you don't get one. <laughs> oh. you, uh, power is taken, Mason never given. Anyway, uh, all right. My, my bit is reminding everyone every episode that Epstein didn't kill himself. Or maybe he did. <laughs> Anyways, the telephone number 877-TAME-HER is shown on the Seduce and Destroy infomercials within the movie. Uh, out when this movie came out, dialing that number it was actually a real number, and it gave the recording of Tom Cruise giving the Seduce and Destroy pitch. That, that so. is pretty great. Uh, uh, I, I Honestly, I love it when media in general makes the extra effort like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a, it's yeah. just a nice little a, extra touch. Just a, a shame little they dash. Uh, I, I know why, because that movie is you know 20 years old, but... They should have kept that phone number going. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's just keep spending money on that for years. Yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, Each line in the wise up scene uh, is a reference to what each 
to what the character singing is going through. Uh, we mentioned this before, but this has more specifics. Uh, Claudia sings, it's not what you thought when you first began it, referring to her cocaine addiction. Uh, Jimmy, you're sure there's a cure and you have finally found it, referring to his cancer. Donnie's, you think one drink will shrink you till you're underground and living down, refers to his drinking. And Linda's, prepare a list for what you need before you sign away the deed, refers to her dying husband's will. Also, when Claudia says... It's not going to stop. It's a reference to the fact that it's not going to stop for her. And mm-hmm. when Donnie sings, it's not going to stop. It's a reference to the fact that it's not going to stop for him. And when Phil sings, it's not going to stop. It's a reference to the fact that it's not going to stop for him. Um, and when Linda sings, it's what are not, you doing? It's, 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 uh, just, there's a lot of repetitive lines. It's, in it's, that a, song. it's a nice repetitive bit. I enjoy it. <laughs> God damn it! Don't interrupt the bit. Uh, also, in an it's not going to stop, Donnie, so just give up. Okay. Improv, yes and. Uh, in an interview with Mark yes Barron no. in January of 2015, what? Paul Thomas Anderson was asked if he had the opportunity to recut the film. He replied, I'd slice that thing down. It's way too fucking long. It's <laughs> unmerciful how long it is. And he added that maybe a few trajectories in the film's plot lines could have been eliminated. Yeah, but like, what would you cut out? Like, that's That's the thing looking back on this movie. I just... Yeah, it's really long, and I felt it, but I don't know what could go. Maybe, maybe Stanley, but then you lose the uh, the line about uh, how this is a thing that really happens, which I think is really important to the frog scene. Yeah, um, that's how you know that it really happens. Because it does. God damn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it does really happen. Uh, so, I, you know, I Look love... in the show notes. We'll post links to events where it's actually happened. So I loved Linda's stuff. Maybe you could cut her Or at her least out. I'll tweet about them. Like, she's more tangential. She's not tied into, like, a bunch of characters. Yeah, I feel like she, um, she weirdly enough, probably like, cut her out. Claudia and John C. Riley, like, that would be the one that I'd want to cut out. And it's, like, the emotional and plot core of the whole movie. So I don't think it I would, would work. I would argue it. that you could probably cut out Linda as a character almost yeah. entirely. Which I hate. I, I, I love, I, that's my favorite oh, performance. No, I, yeah. I definitely enjoy her character, but in terms of like, I guess overall what the movie's trying to do, she's not as important as the other characters. Also, yeah. there's a lot of stuff. You don't have to cut out Jim and Claudia completely, but since you're going, since they got rid of that whole worm plot line, honestly, do you really need him to do anything with Marcy? Couldn't you just cut out that whole bit? Uh, and then you really you're, cutting, could. you're cutting out Linda, which means you can cut out Dixon's character. And really, the first time you see him is him showing up at uh, Claudia's place. Yeah, that's that's the go. one. Because like at that, po- that. at that point, it gets weird because you're down to literally just one black character in, in the form of the woman that's interviewing Tom Cruise. Uh, but you do get rid of like a lot of the, a lot of the weird shit, too. Like yeah. what we were talking about at the beginning, where and you like know, losing the gun and just all the stuff that never really went anywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. I, mean, no, I he, think that was. I guess he missed the, the funny if, if payoff he, of the gun yeah. just randomly falling. Right. But you know, if you're gonna, he cut, could lose his gun in another way. You could have right. worked around that. If but. you're gonna cut out the the whole worm arc, just actually cut out the whole worm arc. Don't. Yeah, I just he just had a lot of plot lines that kind of just didn't go anywhere because the movie was too long and so he cut some stuff out but he didn't cut as much out as he probably should have there there is value in that in at least at the start in that you know it shows him being honestly kind of really harsh with marcy and yeah, the handcuffing, of her, handcuffing her to the t- to the chair and that's sort of his arc right that's him like learning oh sometimes you got to be more lenient sometimes you got to be forgiving when you really want to fuck this blonde girl uh, yeah. Mm. uh yeah. but i don't know maybe you can like add a traffic stop or something yeah 
All right. Uh, this film includes three. Well, sorry. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I was, <laughs> I was struck by a thought. Oh, uh, do you want me to give it? Okay, cool. Sure. Um, give us your drunken hey, thoughts, guys. I have thoughts. What's up? I have so much love to give. Oh, wait, you guys want me to share <laughs> I have them? so much think to give. I just don't know um, where to put it. No, no. Like you, part of it is you cut out. Uh, you cut out the scene with them booking Marcianne and questioning her. It doesn't save a lot of time, but it shaves some. Yeah, I mean that scene doesn't yeah. really do anything for the movie at all. You could still have that first scene with Marcy as like a oh, John C. Riley's kind of a dick right now. Yeah, maybe he doesn't get it. Uh, anyways, uh, the film cast includes three Oscar winners, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jason Robards, and Julianne Moore, and six Oscar nominees, Tom Cruise, William H. Macy, John C. Riley, Melinda Dillon, Felicity Huffman, and Paul Thomas Anderson, who has a cameo role in the film. Now, I don't, I don't know if that's specifically for this film or if that's just in general. I, I, when I got it, I thought it was saying specifically for this film, but that seems like a lot of nominees for this film. So that may just be. In oh general. no, I think yeah, I think that's in general. But I, I do know they... that Tom Tom Carl Cruz was nominated for best supporting actor for this film. This is one of his Oscar nominations. Yes, and of course, as we know, he's never actually won an Oscar. So, um, I think deservingly so. I think Tom Cruise definitely deserved to be recognized for that performance. As I said, probably one of his best performances. That's a strong performance. Definitely in a in an emotional sense. He was nominated for Best Actor in a Sporting Role, Tom Cruise, Best Writing, and uh, Best Music. Um, that was for the Amy Mann song, for the song Save Me, which I think is not the one that you would think of. That is um, not the song that they all sing, no. So what is what is the... So there, there's a short. There's a short film that happened before this that's, that has like Tom Cruise and all that uncredited, and it has to do with Amy Mann. Do you it's, know it's what that the, is? It's the music video for Save Me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's just clips from the movie, but probably. I haven't seen it. I'm assuming that's what it is. Fair enough. I mean, if you want to watch it, I ha- it's, it's a special feature. So on, okay. the, on the Magnolia, if you want to watch it, I don't really have much uh, desire. Anyways, um, yeah. uh, this is also going to be something that I'm going to be saying a lot. Uh, the WKK show director's assistant is played by William Mapather, who is Tom Cruise's cousin in real life. William Mapather is going to be in a lot of Tom Cruise movies from here on out. So I'm almost, I'm kind of going to make that a separate section, kind of how I did the uh, actors who lost out to roles on Tom Cruise. So it's going to be kind of recurring trivias. Now, the reason I don't have the actors who lost out to Tom Cruise on this one is because as far as I can see, nobody did. Nobody notable did. Maybe he just got it or it's just not really. So no, they didn't have anybody else in mind or anything like that. During, during the filming of eyes wide shut, and I think we might have even talked about this last time. Yeah, Paul Thomas he, he met with PTA. offered him the role, yeah. But but it was more than that. Like Tom Cruise sat down with Paul Thomas Anderson and was like, "Hey, uh listen, if you like PTA had talked to him about the movie that he was thinking of and Tom was like, "Yeah, no, if you if you have a role for me right here, I'm I'm here for it." Um and I think that was probably a lot of how that happened with a lot of the characters in this. I mean, it might have been I but, don't know. I didn't but really Tom Cruise specifically, that, but. Tom Cruise specifically, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just Tom Cruise just doing everything he can to work with really high, highly esteemed directors. So. Mm-hmm. And a highly esteemed director writing a part specifically for Tom Cruise. Yeah. Which, <laughs> he did a great fucking job, honestly. Yeah. Uh, over 7,900 rubber frogs were made and used in the frog scenes, and the rest were created by CGI. No real frogs were harmed during the production of this film. <sighs> I mean, good. So. It's not 
Oh, what's that movie that definitely killed a lot of cats and shit? I mean, Oliver? Homeward Bound. Uh, but oh, what? Oh, the the main cat in Homeward Bound died before the end of the end of the movie. Oh, good. Um, but no, I'm thinking more. Catwoman was it? Cannibal Holocaust. Yes. Cannibal Holocaust. That's Cats the one I'm versus dogs. Of. Cannibal Holocaust is the one that got banned from a lot of countries for actually killing all the animals. Boo, so. Cannibal yeah. Holocaust. Boo, you suck. Why would you kill the animals if it's about cannibalism? Because you can't kill people. For sure, you can. I mean, I guess. Uh, okay, so yeah. See, that's how you kill a person. So there's kind I of killed a, him. I killed him dead. There's this apparently there's apparently a recurring theme in this uh, movie. Dead. There's apparently a recurring theme in this movie that revolves around Exodus 8-2 that I've never fucking heard of before. What is Exodus 8-2? So anyways, Paul Thomas Anderson had said he was unaware that the story of frogs falling from the sky is in the Bible, Exodus 8-2, which says, And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And after he realized that, he went back and added a bunch of references to Exodus 8-2 in the movie. Oh my God! Okay, so just going back to the to the whole deal about you know animals really do occasionally rain from the sky. Like that's got to be that's got to be why that exists in Exodus, right? Just a bunch of frogs got swept up, and yeah, probably so. Stop changing words in the script to penis. Don't tell me what to do. All right, let's move on. Let's read our exit paragraph now. All right, well, that's all we have on Magnolia. Join us next time when we watch Mission Impossible 2. I'm Donovan Bruce. If you like this episode, please rate us five stars on iTunes and check out our letterbox for our Tom Cruise movie rankings and other general movie stuff. Uh, I'm Andrew Mount. Um, I think maybe iTunes doesn't exist anymore. Isn't it like Apple Podcasts now? Yeah, it's some it's something else. They but changed it. Well, well, whatever so rate iTunes us on whatever became. It is. Yeah. You guys know what I meant. Um, yeah. I don't. I've just been meaning to say that for a few weeks. Um, and then uh, for this and other podcasts that we do, uh, visit us on gcatsmedia dot com. Uh, one more time, that's G is in gravy. Catsmedia dot com. Uh, I said one more time, but this is actually the last time I'm going to do it. A third time, right now, it's gcatsmedia dot com. And I'm Mason Guzmich. Uh, please, if you enjoyed this, check us out on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Uh, find us on Twitter at CruisinItPod. That's at C-R-U-I-S-I-N-I-T-P-O-D. And uh, the notes say to say this, um, penis. Hmm. And you've been listening to Cruising It. <laughs>